Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Show Studios Fashion Radio, the podcast video series exploring the remarkable relationship between fashion and music. Every week we'll be joined by fashion's biggest names and the talent of tomorrow as they share their 10 life-defining tunes and the stories behind them. I'm your host, DJ Fat Tony, and today I'm joined by a technological trailblazer and the reason we're all here. The founder and director of Show Studio, he's been pushing the boundaries of fashion, image making, as a pioneer of state-of-the-art technology, a man that knows better than anyone else how important fashion is to music and music is to fashion. The creative visionary behind the album covers for Bjork, Lady Gaga, Gwen Stefani, Massive Attack, Travis Scott, and so many more. It's none other than the magnificent Nick Knight. Hi, I'm DJ Fat Tony, and welcome to Fashion Radio on Show Studio. And today's guest is the gaffer himself, the man from upstairs. If anyone's ever been in Show Studio, you'll know that you'll, you see this person like a fleeting ghost. For at least one minute and a handshake, it's Nick Knight. <laughs> Yep, that's how I like to be perceived. <laughs> I mean, I've done loads of stuff with you in the past, and you glide down the stairs. I do glide. You do glide, and it's almost like you're on this little puff of smoke. And you, you come, <laughs> you do the magic handshake, you say hi. And it's then, magic. I'm glad you think it's magic. It is a magic handshake, and Excellent. then you, it's a reassuring handshake. Yes. Because you like, let us know that you're here, you're overseeing it. Exactly. We're all... and, then, and it kind back of, up into my cloud. And you do, you go back up to the heavens. Mm. And then if we're lucky, we might see you again at some point if through the day, if, if we're lucky. lucky. And it is luck. I'm so, not going to survive this, I can tell. <laughs> it's being nice, but... No, it's yeah. good. You know, it's like, the fact that you do glide down the stairs, kind of gives it like this air of magic, right. which is what Show Studio is about. Yes. There has always been an air of magic to Show Studio Good. without blowing that puff of smoke up your ass. It's magic. true. Show Studio has this air of magic. That's why people love to work with Show Studio. You know if it's on Show Studio, it's got quality attached to it. Do you get what I mean? It's not no. like it's not a, a bottom shelf number. It's <laughs> always a top shelf. And, you know, and that's not as in, you know, where they used to keep the porn mags. No, there. indeed. Indeed not. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about fashion radio and what we're doing. Yeah. So this is about incorporating fashion into music and music into fashion. Because yeah. the two of them, without each other, in my eyes and on my beliefs, I think that, you know, without music, you really wouldn't have so many tribes within fashion throughout the years. And that's yeah. what I want to talk to you about today. Right, okay. Well, that's a good place to start. Uh-huh. I mean, for me... I guess if you're looking at and the tribal thing's a very good note on it. I was trying to think where to start on this. And in a way, it's when you get your sense of self. Mm -hmm. So your own sort of how you want people to see you. I think throughout our teens, I don't know if the same with you, but certainly with me, I tried different characters, different people, different looks to see what I felt at ease with mm -hmm. and what I you know, liked the look of. And weirdly, as it may seem now, skinheadism was where I sort of settled. Mm -hmm. And that led on to soul music, that led on to northern soul, mm -hmm. um, that led on to R&B, et cetera, et cetera, because the reason I liked skinheads was the way they looked and the music they listened to. So that was my sort of way into it, which is why I've chosen as my first track, a track by Prince Buster 
called Al Capone. I used to wake up to that. My really? bro- my elder brother Kevin, he was a, he was a skinhead for many years. Yeah, and uh, I was obsessed by skinheads. Right, and I think I was obsessed by them. It was a very tough and scary image. Yeah, you know they had a really bad name. Yeah, skinheads. You know, if someone was a skinhead, that that meant they were trouble. And I, I, you know, and I've always been drawn to trouble. Yeah, even from a very young age. And when my brother and all his skinhead mates used to come round to my mum's house, elder brother, young brother, my older brother. Yeah, uh, there's like five. So I'm 57. So he's now 63. Yeah, right. So yeah, your age. So he, you know, it was right at the beginning of the skinheads yeah. before it went mainstream and become, yeah, you know, yeah. madness and everything else that came yeah, from well, it. That's you know, a different different uh, moment. Yeah, totally, 100%. And, you know, so I used to wake up to this track being played in our house. Yeah. You know, at like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, so it's got a lot of good memories yeah. attached to it. What what makes it your... Well, which is my thing. Your, your first well, choice. Weirdly the same as you, my elder brother, actually. My elder brother, I was... When I first... First I listened to it, it was kind of the beginning of the 1970s. And it was actually, we lived up in Cambridgeshire, so it was out in the fence, basically. And provincial skinheadism isn't quite mm. the same as what it probably was in London or Liverpool or whatever. But whatever, it was what it was. And my brother's mate, um, Steve Agnew, I remember him really well, used to be so sharp. He used to come around. I remember him coming around on a Sunday night once. He was on a scooter and he had a kind of you know tonic jacket on and a, a, the hang, pocket hanky was pinned in and he was just such a sharp dresser yeah. and so hard where i used to live there was a big council estate called the oxmoor estate which was sort of london overspill kids because we're out in the countryside mm-hmm. and there's an expansion corridor from london and you basically you got sort of east end of london after the war so it was, was shipped up this sort of expansion corridor and so we had a huge estate called the oxmoor estate upon the oxmoor estate there were lots of skinheads mm-hmm. um, and kind of a genuine london variety of skinheads and they were you know so just street savvy, so cool, so smart, so mm. on it, et cetera, et cetera. For me, it was as a kind of, you know, 12, 13-year-old, it was just very impressive in the way that you kind of, you know, fancy your brother's girlfriend and, you know, you, you look up to your elder brother and every, all his mates. So it was very much a kind of in awe. And they were chic. Yeah. Because when you people think of skinheads, they straight away think of like, bleached jeans and Dr. Martins yeah, and yeah, red braces. All, yeah, no. And it wasn't about that. No, not at it all. Was, it was really about the cut of the suits, the, yeah. you know, the whole chicness of it, you know, the, the low loafers. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of that stuff was just was just like, it was, it was... The trouser length with the white socks showing and the loafer. It, just, it, it was just so well, chic. Let me show you another little track. Another little track. Desmond Decker performing Israelites. Incredible. Weird. That was that was a weird time in the 1970s for music. Because the main thing you could watch in the 1970s, I'm, I'm 64, so I'm actually 10 years, no, five, six, seven, yeah. seven years older than you roughly, yeah? So yeah. The only thing you could watch really to get any sort of taste of music was Top of the Pops. Yeah. Which was being fronted by Jimmy Savile. So that was a kind of like, yeah. okay, what's going on here? But everyone Time loved moment. Jimmy then. Everybody loved Jimmy then, apart from he looked like a weird freak. You know, they'd have sort of, you know, people on, on that show, like Sweet and stuff, and these people would have swastikas on their back. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, look, they've got a huge swastika on his back. Do you think if the music that Scar wasn't around at that point, yeah. that skinheads would have gone to what they did? Do you think that when when we look back at history, yeah. with the swinging sixties, for instance, yeah, yeah. right? If you didn't have the Rolling Stones and you didn't have yeah. that stuff, would you have had that fashion? Yeah. Would you have had Mary Quant? Would you have had everything else that went with it to make that that sixties look and that sixties fashion? The same with skinheads. The same with mods. The same with punk. Yeah, yeah. So on, so on, so on. It goes on. They went hand in hand. Music drove that fashion. Yeah, Do you believe that? Was a skinhead was a mixture of kind of dancehall fashion that yeah. the kids were wearing in London. Yeah. 
and super sharp looking young black kids. And of course, you know, the, the thing I was telling you in the early 1970s, especially you know, out near Cambridgeshire and yeah. Huntingdon, there were no black kids. No. So they were kind of like, we looked at uh, black culture, like you know, whatever you saw on top of the pops of the Drifters or yeah, yeah. Delphonics. Or Everyone was wearing flares and afros, yeah. yeah. But, but you looked, you said, they look fucking cool. They, they look did. so cool. They, and they and, still do. Yeah. Same, when you same, look back yeah. at that stuff, you just think, wow. Yeah. That's fashion. But they were a different world. You know, there's no way you're going to see these people in the street in kind of Peter yeah, No, I get yeah, it, yeah. So, so there was a kind of real awe of black culture and black kids because they were the sharp. And you've ever... You know, if you ever came down to London, which most people didn't because you didn't have the ability to, you know, just seeing the black kids in London, you know, it was such an eye-opener. Mm. And all those, the, the dance halls where you go, you know, then you see them and it's just kind of, they look so, they could dance better. They yeah. Kind of, you know, they look better. They best you know, style. The girls were interested in, you know, it's kind of, you know, so it was, it was a real kind of, yeah, absolute awe for that sub. But if you didn't have Scar and you didn't have the dance halls and you didn't have the rude boys, no, it would have, it would have really not happened in the way it did because a lot of it is aping that. Not all of it, but a lot of it was aping that. Before we so, move on from Skinheads, yeah, the, the, you know, the one thing that I, the one album cover out of all that Skinhead stuff that I, that sticks in my mind, which I loved and I had on my wall, yeah. was the Specials album cover right, okay. with all the, the pictures of the Skinhead gig and yeah. all the Skinheads were in it and there was like yeah. loads of Skinheads from Battersea in it and stuff like that. Yeah. I had it on my wall for many years when I was growing up and it was I just was like in awe of it. Yeah, because uh, you know he had everything. It, it was such a sexy look. Yeah, but that's the revival. So yeah, that's, I know that's the end of seventies. Yeah, I know. So I was in the beginning. I was in, in the tail end of it. When my so brother, I got back yeah. to Britain in nineteen seventy, and that was kind of the begin. That was kind of the beginning of Swadehead and Smoothie. Incredible. Um, so I was sort of catching the tail end of it, but then it went. You know, it disappeared into glam rock, and then reappeared. Sort of. I don't know, about 76, you started seeing a few skinheads around. That's when I got back into it in 76. So can I ask you, yeah. since 76, have you always worn suits and a pocket, <laughs> a, a pocket chief? Because I, this, I, is, this is that we, what everything you described is the Nick Knight look. Yeah, well, that's, right. that's the thing. You, you, weirdly, you get stuck in your experiences as a teenager. Yeah. I've been thinking about it quite a lot recently. That the things you, you experience as a teenager become very important for the rest of your life. It's almost like you're trying to work out who the hell you are and you kind of think, oh, I know. And you you settle on a whole bunch of values when you're uh -huh. kind of, you know, a like 15-year-old. And they don't go away. You don't suddenly change. Yeah, I tried other looks and tried other things, but nothing felt as genuine to me as that look. Well, that is, that, that, this is Nick Knight. Yeah. <laughs> that look is you. If you would, if I was to see you in sweatpants and, and, and a hoodie, I... I probably would walk past you. I would, yeah. Yeah, totally. But you know what I'm saying to you? The, the whole, the, the sharpness of the suit and the way that you dress yeah. is, is is Nick Knight's show studio. This yeah. is the image of this, which kind of stems from them, which is incredible. Yeah, no, it's a total direct link. I wear the clothes, basically versions of the clothes I was wearing in my teens. Um, but, you know, now the several row is opposed to kind of wherever you get your hands on. Oh, so, shit, throw that in. Uh, okay, your third choice, which I, used to I love. Work for Savile Row. <laughs> the third I choice. Love this. Thomas Crown Affair, that is the film, and attracts um, windmills of your mind. Amazing. Um, again, goes back to completely what we're talking about. You know, the influences you have and the sort of trying to form your self-image or in terms of a fashion. It's Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. Yeah. And Steve McQueen dressed impeccably. So impeccably. It's unreal. So, and, and Faye Dunaway, incredibly beautiful. 
Yeah. So is yeah, but hang on, yeah, that's you know. So is Steve McQueen. Yeah, no, but I'm, <laughs> no, I'm yeah, just so saying both of them. I mean, it's beautiful. absolutely stunning. Yeah, you know, so when you find a film like that, when you're kind of at an impressionable age, yeah. it sort of sticks with you. Yeah, and that I really have a crush on her. I was 15. I didn't really have a crush on a Hollywood film star. I had a crush on the girl next door. She was more, more even vaguely, I, she wasn't, but she would have been more possible than me ever meeting Faye Dunaway. At least I could meet the girl next door. Yeah, I get that. Disco. But, but, um, I mean, I, thought, I, I always had a crush on Steve McQueen. Right, right. And I, I knew for well I'd never meet him. Right. But, you know, it was kind of like more of a fantasy thing than, yeah. than that. I mean, you know, no, even I to this day. I actually probably not quite in the same way. I didn't have a crush on Steve McQueen, but admired him. Yeah, right. Okay, because of the sharpness a, a of the suits crush. and the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> Incredible. But, yeah, so there, that was a, a, a film that has stayed with me as kind of, you know, that's how I... That, when you don't have to think about something, like you know, we have some offers a coffee or a tea. Mm. You don't think, oh, do, uh, do, which one do I like? You know, I which do. one you like. <laughs> I do. Damn. I'm For afraid. example, if somebody offers you <laughs> a bottle or a Horlicks, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then you have to think, okay, which one do I like? Right, uh, but yeah. you know straight away. But it's that sort of thing that you, those you... elegant, the elegance that's in Thomas Crown Affair is something that I take as my, you know, just kind of if I'm looking for elegant, that's where I go to. Do you think that watching that film at that age kind of gave you direction? Uh, yeah, I think it did. It also made it quite clear the power of music in a film, mm -hmm. hence fashion films, because, you know, those images of him in the glider and the song Windmills of Your Mind. Yeah. And then there's an incredible scene, which is him and her playing chess. And the soundtrack to that chess game is fantastic. I can't remember the composer, unfortunately. But the, the power of music mm -hmm. when it's connected to moving image, to moving to film, incredible. That's why we have show studio. They go hand in hand. You need yeah, yeah. music to to get the heart to beat put at the right tempo, to go with the right pacing. And, yeah. and you need to lift people and take people on that journey, what you want to do with that collection. Yeah. And people really forget about that. The model needs to also, on a fashion show, the model needs to walk in time to a beat. One, two, two to one, two, four is a perfect is walking beat. Yeah. All right, okay, so there you go. Um, and it's yeah. the same for a fashion film. You need a beat that's going to drive you through the track, yeah, drive you through the film. Otherwise, a two-minute film can seem, seem like eternity with oh, music. 100%. Yeah, and a great piece of music on a fashion film would just like whisk you through and you haven't even noticed. Yeah. Because you, know, yeah. you just love it. Mm. So it's a really important thing. So I guess the reason to include Thomas Crown Affair, apart from the sort of sartorial part of it, and that's always what I wanted to look like and never quite achieved, but that's always what I wanted to look like. Um, the sartorial part of it is super important, but it is actually the, the moment that I sort of realized that music and film are so inextricably linked. You link certain tracks to that, that film and it sticks in your mind, certain tracks. Yeah. As soon as you hear it, will take you straight to that point. Yeah. You know, a good one is, um, is um, American Cowboy. That film, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that track brilliant. is just yeah. like... What's, what's the track of American Cowboy? Uh, it's like, uh, going through the passages of my mind. Yes. Everybody's talking at That's me. That's the one, yeah. I can't hear a word they're saying. That track, yeah. That track. Let's move on to per your personal favourite track. Personal what do you listen to, Nick? Um, if I had to choose one track out of everything I've ever heard, it would be this. And it again, it's sort of, you know, post-skinhead for me, it's that kind of soul boy time where I started listening really to kind of just black music. And, you know, bands, you know, too many to mention. But the one I got hooked on, and partly because of the lead singer, was uh, Rufus, Rufus and Chaka Khan. Yeah. Chaka Khan, when she was in Rufus, she was such an incredible-looking woman. She was a Black Panther before she was a singer. Yeah. So, like, super political. But she has just the best voice. You know, it just lifts you up to the skies. Mm. 
She's know, still has. Yeah, 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 yeah. She still has. I saw her about a year and a half ago. Oh, really? At a gig in Paris, and she just took the roof off of it. Yeah. And I also saw her in, in Brockwell Park. She came on in a denim cat suit. Right. I mean, this is like four or five years ago. It's yeah. Love Box, it was. Right. It was about eight years ago. She came on, and it was just like mind-blowing. Yeah. These musicians look so incredible from a point of view of the 1970s in rural Britain. Mm. You know, they were just a different world. It might as well have been kind of from the moon. You know? And you know, the, thing, the, the really important thing to remember is when they're going on these shows, right, not everyone has television. So no. they're not dressing for the millions. No, no. They're, they're dressing for themselves and that's their yeah. image. And that, that, that's what Chuck are dressing in uh, uh, a, a, like almost like a boob tube and flares and, and hair and all the well, Mitchell shows. suede, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Yeah. It's, 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 it's so out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of, you know, and I think that because they were black and they were on television and, and they were wearing those outfits, the outfits kind of overtook the fact of what they, okay, it's not It's not just a black woman singing. It's yeah. like the overall package. And I just yeah. think it's incredible. But sorry, because you, you couldn't see this in Britain at the time. This is some American show. And the chances of Rufus and Chuck Khan being on top of the pops is pretty yeah, rare, right. full. So it's only recently I'm discovering this stuff on, on YouTube and, and seeing it. For you know, for what it is, so we'd have to live by the record cover. So you'd have to live, and, and it was Norman Seif was mm -hmm. the photographer who did a lot of those. He'd share, he did kind of yeah. like the big American acts. And he did one of the best pictures of, of Chucky Carno Rufus. Um, and I, you know, you'd put the record on, and you'd prop the record, yeah. the twelve-inch record sleeve up, and you'd just sit there, listen to the music, and look at this still image. Yeah, in a way, that's sort of what got me into photography. All right. right. So next, next thing, we're going to move on from Shaka Khan. Um, so this is trying to keep it back to fashion and uh, music combined. Right at the beginning of my career, I used to do my own printing. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'd take a photograph. I can smell that pr that, that fluid now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I would take a photograph, and then you'd spend three days in the dark room trying to print the bloody yeah. thing, trying to make it look good. And, of course, you were spending, you know, going 9 o'clock in the morning, come out at, you know, 9 o'clock at night, where it's a long time in a... You know, dark room. Yeah. Um, it's a joy in it. And certain photographers live in their dark rooms, you know, because partly they're that, those sort of people that kind of, you know, enjoy that sort of thing. So um, I would listen to, and I'd go, I remember, because I'd work in the week for the music papers like the NME and doing portraits for the NME. And then the weekend, I'd try and print them up for the following week's release. And so I'm going on a Saturday morning. And yeah. there's a show called, but do you remember Robbie Vincent? No. Do you remember Robbie Vincent? I'd say no, but I probably do. He was yeah. a Capital Radio DJ. And he had a yeah. show on Saturday morning where he played jazz funk. Oh, right, okay. And there was yeah. a whole of that canvas. Yeah, I do remember. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never went. So, but um, and he would play jazz funk, and it was bands like this: so Frankie Beverly and Mays, Joy and Payne, and then other people like Tanya Maria, um, oh, Come with Me. You know, they amazing. were such incredible tracks, and I'd listen to that show, and I would. Joy and Payne's. Joy and Payne's uh, is one of those amazing tracks that if you're in a car or wherever you are, you ask them to turn the radio on. So you used to listen to that in the dark room. You used to How long were you in the dark room for? Hours, <laughs> most of my life in the early, um, in the early 1980s. Uh, yeah, I've worked for the music magazines in the week and then we can print up, print up the stuff to hand in on a Monday. It's really weird. When I can actually smell that smell. Really? I used to, I used to live with, with Brad Branson, who was a photographer in the right. 80s, who sadly yeah. passed away, who did the George Michael older album covers oh, really? and all of that stuff. Yeah. And he used to have his dark room in the flat yeah and forever in there you know with his yeah. red light on but yeah. it, it, just that smell of developing lotion or what fluid yeah. it was just yeah. like i can smell it to developing this day. fix yeah, yeah i can i can smell it to this Things day is the fix you can smell That's is that what it is it, yeah 
Okay, like uh, moving on, we had to. It's, it wouldn't be Nick Knight without getting going to Cigar Gar. Well, right? you're missing one. You're missing. Who one. am I missing? So yeah, so that's the dark oh, room. I'm missing. Oh Sound my god, of the dark room. How can I miss? Sound of the studio. How can I miss? Sound of the studio. Mary J. Blige. Exactly. Well, the goddess herself. So a little bit of kind of a, a preamble for this. When you're in the studio, you have to play or you play music because yeah. you have music that you want to listen to that puts you in the kind of mood. And I used to do, before I do a Dior session, and these sessions are seven days long, so I don't think they're a day, yeah. seven days long. So I would make a mixtape. And the two weekends before my session, I would ask Charlotte to go away from the house. She'd go off and see her, her family. And I would sit by myself and I'd get all, I'd go into, go into HMV and I'd buy all the latest records and all yeah. the stuff I thought and all the compilations, the stuff I just bought at random. And I'd listen to them and I'd take the first 30 seconds of each track I like the sound of and put it together. And sometimes it's like 10 seconds. And then they made the, the most bizarre mixtapes, which I'm not going to play you. Um, but they basically... My idea was, and what worked for me, was that you wouldn't get the same beat. You 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 wouldn't hit into a groove. So what, that you would actually so you'd move actually around be more, more inventive, so people would find different things and it'd be more expressive. And then bits that people love, bits that people would hate. But it was never very long. So if you hated it, it was only thirty seconds. If you loved it, it was only thirty seconds. But it was all these different sorts of songs. It was a time when you had people like DJ Shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fatboy Slim, yeah. you know, who were like mixing in those different sounds. I don't yeah, know what that course. genre is called, but you'd have kind of like, you know the orb? Yeah, of course. You know, so basically everyone was sampling. It was the beginning yeah. of sampling. Yeah. So everyone was sampling other tracks and putting in, and you know, which is, is modern day music basically because every, every album you hear now has, bit, has got samples on it. Yeah, well, it was yeah. it was sample. Sample galore. Every every. So basically, what it was like was, yeah, you going back to you when you were a kid and you were taping music off the radio. Yeah, like we all used to do when the top ten came on on a Sunday, we'd sit with our recorder and I would tape. Yeah, the the, the show. The, the show. Well, no, no, just the music. Press play, and then yeah. as soon as they stop speaking, start speaking, cut them off. Yeah, and then just take the tracks and I had them on my cassette, which I would play all week. Yeah, well, so, it, was, yeah. it was basically that. Yeah, that. And I had this this thing. Which was like uh, pirating is the word you're looking yeah. for there, Nick Knight. <laughs> Stealing other people's music. Um, and it had two tapes, so you could do tape yeah. to tape and a radio. So Amazing, you could go from yeah. tape to tape to radio, tape to tape, and it had a CD player. So, tape so it's like my early um, bit of mixing. Have you still it, got them? I have. They're pretty atrocious. I wouldn't probably recommend them. Oh, no, it'd be interesting to listen to, yeah. definitely. But it was everything was mixed in from Saint Etienne to the Orb to Bjork to. Uh, DJ Shadow, DJ Shadow was the best because uh-huh. he was basically doing that in any case. Yeah, of course. You know, but so, uh, but that's not what I was going to talk. So that was what I used to think would be a good idea to play in the studio right. over seven days. Yeah. So you can imagine what John Galliano thought of that for seven days. Yeah. Okay, but then I worked with Giselle Bunchen, the yeah. lovely Giselle Bunchen, who is quite a force to be reckoned with. Uh-huh. Giselle Bunchen is not a pushover in any department. Um, and when she came to do her modelling, she said, "Oh no, we're going to listen to this," and she put on Mary J. Blige. Family Affair, Amazing. and we listened to it for five days on repeat. Uh-huh. Every time she stepped in front of the camera, she'd put it back on and she would just model <laughs> to Mary J. Blige. And I thought at the end of it, I'm going to hate this track. I still really love it's it. Amazing track. So, you know, there's, I used to listen to No More Drama. I still do. Yeah, yeah. It was like every day, like 30 times, 40 times a day, the same track. Was that a uh, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The therapy session. Kind of just was where I was at, and I kind of just like, it was going to be the choice of track that I played at my funeral. But let's she, move she's on. Come, she comes out, moving on. So I want to do a, a, a threesome with Gaga now, a triptych, a Gaga triptych, because it cuts on three different points. So I'll try and be brief. First one, is the music for fashion show. Yeah. So this little story about my first, one of my first meetings with Gaga or my first uh, encounter with her, I was doing Lee McQueen's uh, fashion show, Plato's Plato Atlantis. Yeah. And he decided, we sort of persuaded him after two or three seasons to do a live broadcast of the show. <laughs> yeah. So he'd kind of been a bit reluctant to do it. And then for Plato's Atlantis, he said, okay, I'll do it. And we really, really got into it. So there's two mechanical robots that went up and down the, the catwalk. Yeah. The models, and they turned around and then he followed the, the front row and then they turned back around and followed the model so it was all set up for this live broadcast and there was cameras there and at the time nobody was doing live broadcasting mm -hmm. so we thought well how many people are going to come and watch this so we thought oh, I don't know and anything comparable because we know our fashion shows any live broadcast comparable probably got about 10, 20,000 maximum yeah, so we booked a space for 50,000 I think with a kind of reserve for another 50 if it went crazy Anyway, he said to me two months before the show oh, I'm working with this American artist she might do the soundtrack for the show <laughs> and that was it and then on the day of the show, we were rehearsing and uh, they did the finale and the finale was Little Mermaid. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, fine, here we go. And he said, up comes the show. Thing goes, I'm sitting in the back room with my um, in, in Paris and I've got you know the, the computer operators and all the screens and everything up and we do all the different cameras and ready to go and press, you know, go live now. And Charlotte's on the phone saying, okay, I've got loads of people around the show studio. We're all watching this, you know. And they press live and it was a bit weird. The first image that came through was a bit stuttery and jittery. And then the bloody thing just literally melted. I mean, not physically, but... Yeah. You, and this poor guy who was controlling it was sweating and kind of... It was like he couldn't get an image to stay on, on the picture because what happened is this American artist that Lee had talked about and never mentioned again two months beforehand was actually Lady Gaga. Yeah. And she released Bad Romance at the end of Lee's show <laughs> as a finale. So it wasn't going to be The Jungle Book or Little Mermaid. It was that. And I think he decided that after hearing Little Mermaid. Didn't tell him. He, yeah. No, nobody said anything. So we... She had at the time six and a half million fans on Twitter, and she tweeted at the beginning of Lee's show, "Going to release my new single." So it completely so crashed. Six million little monsters 
went to the stream that could only take maximum kind of 100,000. And it just melted. I mean, we broke the internet, but at the time it didn't, A, feel very clever and mm. didn't feel like, you know, what you wanted to do because we wanted to get this thing out. So that was my first Gaga fashion moment. Yeah. Um, what a moment. Yeah, what a moment. But it did prove something to the fashion world. You know, all the CEOs of all those other companies. So I thought, wait a minute. Six million people try to come and watch yeah, this. Right. I wish I get to three hundred people. Yeah, I'm missing a trick here. And six million young impressionable kids are going to discover Alexander McQueen. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. boom. So the birth, there you go, the birth, right? Yeah, and next next season, seventy percent of London shows were live. You know, it's changed like that. Mm. So big moment, but difficult for me emotionally because it was Lee's last show as well. Yeah. So it was a bit of a hard one in that way. And um, bless Lee. Yeah, bless him. Bless you know. him. And bless Gaga. Gaga, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's uh, my boyfriend's obsessed by Gaga. Is he want to like these next stories? Then? Yeah, he really is. Go so on. we're going on from fashion show music to what's a staple for a lot of lot of directors and filmmakers is the is the video. Yeah. The video. And this one was born this way. So I'd work with Gaga. For some reason, we worked together after Bad Romance, but we worked together on the Monster Ball, did all the films for that. Yeah. But then she said, releasing a, a new album, really, really important album for me. First track, Born This Way. It's, it's the anthem. It's you know, it's everything. The record company were like super kind of on it and coming yeah. This had to break her, you know, to make her kind of huge. Because it was a great track as well and resonated with powerful, loads of people. Powerful. It's such a powerful track. So um, I got, I was asked to do the video of it. The video... Filming the video I will not go into out of sort of doctor-patient relationship confidentiality, but I think I'm probably safe to talk about the um, post. So I put in a... They were so frightened of it being leaked. Yeah. So we couldn't go into a post house. So we were put in a hotel in downtown New York. Yeah. Um, and I went in there and I had my editor, um, who was the first time I worked with him, amazing chap called Dustin Robinson, who's a bodybuilder. <laughs> so he's massive. Yeah. Um, but he edits for Mariah Carey, for J-Lo, uh -huh. Madonna. So he's kind of, you know, he called himself an avid diva. Um, it's because he works with all those women. Um, and so Gaga had asked me to work with him. It wasn't, I never worked with him before. So that's quite a, a relationship yeah. to kind of come in terms with. And I was, so we had, Dustin, who was in one room, and then we had the, the post team, the people who were putting this all together in another room, and it was just a conventional hotel bedroom. I don't <laughs> think it was a suite. Yeah. It wasn't. It was a bed and, like, two tables we'd pushed to, to the side. And there were three guys in there, two of which were also bodybuilders. So Jesus there's Loic, who was kind of massive. Yeah. There was David, who I think was just massive in any because I think he was a bodybuilder. And you. Me, Dustin, <laughs> and then another guy who's kind of regular size called Stefan. And we were in there for six weeks. How much can testosterone you in spending... one room? Sorry? How much testosterone in one room? A lot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I can imagine spending six, six weeks, weeks in a, locked in a bedroom in a, with, with yeah, three, could, three bodybuilders. I've been there, Nick, funnily <laughs> enough. It sounds like my past. <laughs> well, that's, why, that's why I mentioned it. I thought you might have some, some empathy. <laughs> in the post-edit, though, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, we went in there at the beginning and I looked out the window and it was snowing and I remember seeing some poor woman fall over and bust her leg and all the ambulance came. Uh -huh. When I came out six weeks later, um, it was blossom on the trees. It changed season. insane. After a month of being in this place, because literally you woke up at eight in the morning, you'd have a quick shower and you'd go so, down there and start working. But does it, why did it take so long? Just because it's these things are, take long they time. They do take a long time they take to do a video, time. right? And also, we filmed Gaga doing the performance, but a lot of it was just abstract stuff I was creating yeah, okay. whilst we were in the post state. So there was one 
piece of film, which I regret so much we didn't never manage to use, which was her walking down this snowy um, street, or, or not on her unicorn, um, at night, and every footprint she made was a different colour. A bit like ah, Mark Jackson, he comes Amazing, out, but, yeah. Like, like, very footprint. But she was, we made her completely out of Kentucky fried chicken wrappers. No, really? <laughs> yeah, all in post. Oh, amazing. So we were making stuff up. And that's one of the reasons it took but so that's long. That's why it took so long, right? It's cause, so if you were to do a video now for, for an artist, how long, how, how, how long would it take you to do from start to finish? Um, yeah, about six months. About six, uh, six, six, six weeks, sorry. Six yeah. weeks. Well, sometimes they take a year. I've been on videos. It's insane. Yeah, it is insane. But you know, the thing is, I don't think anyone, yeah, and I don't think anyone really would think about how long it took or uh, the amount of work that went into it when they're watching a video on their phone. No, I mean, people do work in different ways. I work in the way I work. So I don't storyboard. So I just go and get stuff. And then after in post, I try and make, it into a film uh-huh. and so there's no storyboarding I sit next to my operator or my computer operator or editor or whoever it is and we try and invent it, it at that point is that an old school way or no, is that like a, the Nick a, Knight way my way the show studio think, way that's yeah. why people want to work with show studio because I, I, I mean for that kind of work and that kind of effort to put into something I mean I I, I know people that turn videos around in three or four days yeah you can and, do it. and you can tell it's been turned around in three or four days yeah. do you know what I mean because you want to turn around and walk away from it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like on your phone for like three seconds. You think, oh, yeah, that looked good. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then you get, you know, videos like Born This Way, which are masterpieces. (laughs) You know, come on, it's, it's, it's a timeless video. Yeah, I mean, look at all the first, like the overture of, of, of Born This Way. It's her speaking about this. Yes. All that sort of, all that had to be invented. We were making that stuff Amazing. up. Amazing. You know, I think we did one moment where we actually went back in the studio in that, in that period and shot some more stuff to put back into the video. And we were kept making it. And it got to the point, you know, when, you, when they get really, really close, say, okay, we've Grumman team, we've got to really work hard. Yeah. We'll have to work all the way through the night. And we go, okay, okay, we'll work all the way through the night. And everybody works all the way through the night. And then they say, actually, it's not right yet. Yeah. All the way through the night again. And after three days, you're working with a team who worked all the way through the night for the last three days. So they're totally spaced out. Yeah, of course they and are. And I have pictures of that room with the guys like kind of yeah, across the bed and kind of like, you know, just sort of asleep in the middle of the day. And it turns it's completely surreal. It's a very, very, very intense time. I swore I'd never do another video after that. I said, that's it. I'm done. Don't ever want to do this again. Of course, you go back on it. Of course, you do. I guess it's like giving birth. You know, it's sort of one of those things that you know, pain. It's very painful to take. Are you um, working with Gaga at the moment? I'm always working with Gaga. She's doing the Joker, I think, at the moment. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So she's not. uh, I'm not doing. Which I can't wait. I just finished Chromatica Ball with her, which is amazing. I must say, she's an extraordinary performer Mm. and a really lovely person to work with. Yeah, I show you. I I mean, I've met her a couple of times, and each time she's been absolutely adorable. She's fantastic. She, it's not fake as well. She's, no, no, no. And I've, my my admiration for her as a performer has gone up and up and up and up. Every time I work with her, I'm more and more impressed. You know, it's, it's first, I mean, the first time I met her was with uh, at the at the Brits, and she she did that. The um, it was just after Lee died, and she went on and played the piano. She dedicated it to Lee McQueen, yeah. and I met her that night, and she was insane. She invited us into the dressing room. She was yeah. so nice and just like, yeah, you know. She's one of those rare performers that is actually incredibly conscious of everybody in the room. So when she comes into the studio, you know, she, she'll clock who everybody is. And when she leaves the studio, she will say goodbye to every single person in that studio. Mm. You know, whoever they are, you know, if they've been in the studio, she will thank them. That's a star. Gaga, you know, I've worked with her, I can't remember how many times I've 
every time she impresses. If I had a session with Gaga tomorrow, I would be so excited. <laughs> yes, there's always a certain amount of dread before you go into a session. Yeah. You think, how am I going to do it? But I, I would be worried and frightened and, uh, and, uh, and nervous about it. But I would know that I come with something great. Yeah. She always finds it in herself. You know, and she's just so can transform herself so amazingly. Mm. I tell you, I move on to the next one after Born This Way. Yeah, go. Um, which is fashion and film. Yeah. Um, the one with Tom Ford. Tom Ford. Tom asked me to do a fashion film for him because he didn't want to do a show. He wanted to release a fashion film instead. And um, we got Gaga, he got asked Gaga to come and do that. And she worked on the with the track, I Want Your Love, the old Chic track. Yeah. Um, and remastered that with Nile Rodgers, I guess. She came down. On the, we were shooting in LA, and it actually was very similar, very similar to this table. It was a huge white square we constructed in the middle of the studio, and it had this light-up kind of catwalk in the middle of it. Yeah. And it was riffing a little bit off Soul Train. So you had all the guys and the girls sort of waiting down the side, which were all models, and then they'd come up the middle and do their turn, you know, do their kind of yeah, movement right, yeah. or whatever it is, but all, of course, dressed in Tom Ford. And there was that model Mika. Um, there, there was some great models doing it. And some of the guys are fantastic dancers. You know, they'd also all been given dancing lessons. Yeah, of course. Um, beforehand, so they, could, they knew how to do this stuff. But on the first day, Gaga comes down. Um, and she, everybody's like, oh, Gaga's here. And she absolutely <laughs> dis didn't disappoint. She literally walked onto that stage and just took it over. You know, you, you watch the film. It's, she's not doing that much to begin with, but she's just so commanding. It's just her mm. sense of... You know, spectacle, it's so cute. And she worked with all of those kids, all of those models, and she really, really imbued it. Very kind of like, come on, we can do this, let's make it great. You know, really that sort of, you mm. know, kind of real. And she worked and worked and worked better all the way to like kind of one or two in the afternoon when she had to go. And then the models, because we stayed doing two-day shooting, stayed shooting after that, the models all desperately wanted to do it well for her. Mm. So they were working so hard. Amazing. Because they just wanted to impress her. Yeah. I think, I'm sure they would have done it, you know, you Forget could, about Tom Tom Ford yeah, all of a sudden. Let's just do it for Gaga. It was absolutely they gave it everything for Gaga. And I remember one model who pulled off because they're all yeah they're dancing in brand mm. new shoes. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's not good. No, and I remember her feet were bleeding, and no. yeah, literally pouring out that you know. And but she, no, I got to do this. I got to do this. I can do it. I can get through this. And it's like, are you sure? Yeah, I can do it. And but it was all for Gaga. It's a pretty impressive menu, yeah. Nick Knight. Lady Gaga and Tom <laughs> Ford. I mean, come on. Right, let's move on. Okay, we're nearly coming Number to the end now. Ten. Nearly coming to the end. Okay, so this is one um, most commonly heard track on my sound on my playlist. Is, is it, it, can I, before we move on, is it actually the whole track or is it just 30 seconds? No, I've stopped doing the 30 seconds. Oh, thing. thank God. <laughs> now I play the whole track. <laughs> so now I make much more conventional playlists of whole songs one after the other. Um, but this is a young artist called Kali Uchis. I don't okay. know if you've come across Kali Uchis. No, I haven't. But so where's Kali Uchis from? She's from Colombia. Okay. Yeah, I thought she was Mexican. Because it's that kind of LA Mexican scene, yeah. You know, and you know how kind of music can transport you to different cultures throughout the world. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And I, you know, as much as kind of in the nineteen seventies, I kind of got a bit obsessed with kind of Black America and yeah, you know, young, gifted, and black, and all that stuff. You know, it was kind of like it's a fantasy. As much as going to any film, yeah, the course. music was a fantasy. Hundred percent. And this was a sort of you know a, a fantasy because I thought, okay, so this is a young Mexican kid, and this is the kind of life, and there's that mixture of kind of very girly, little girly kind of frou frou pink colors and stuff like that. Yeah. But then very and as a sort of kind of womanly kind of thing. And then she's, you know, she's, you know, kind of a hard girl. And might have yeah. been a skinhead girl from the estate. So everything combined, perfect storm. So I thought it was fun. And I just loved the music. 
and my assistants, bless them, have had to listen to Caliuchis almost non-stop. She's a big star now. She kind of got the touch of Amy about her, mm. well, Amy which, Winehouse, yeah. which leads us into the next she's track. Into, yeah, but it, there wasn't really a link because it, it, she actually does. When I was watching her thing, I thought, she's got a little bit of Amy about yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. But this that's an early video. She, her look changes, of course. Yeah, of does, course. As but it gets more, more, more and more and more. She found, and girls love her. When she uh. came to the studio, my assistants at the time, um, and, and most of the female members of the staff absolutely were swooning. Mad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and she has that thing with, with women and they, they absolutely love her. Do you think it's because it's accessible to them in the sense that they can look like her or they can dress like her? I don't her know and... what it is, but if you watch film of her concerts, it's the girls down the front, you know. Mad, uh, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's kind of weird because women don't really like women artists. Yeah. When you're, you know, I'm not generalising, but I'm saying in, like when you go to concerts and it's a woman singer, it's either the majority are like little gay fans or, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, or men, it's no Never normally like a young woman fan base. No, this, is, this seems to be a, definitely a young woman. Fan yeah, base. the demographics changed yeah. slightly, haven't they? We've like you know a lot of women like love love little Sims and they love all of the, yeah. all these sort of gangstery kind of yeah. feeling women. And there's also Street. a kind of power. In yeah, her. she's she's genuinely from Colombia, and I guess amazing, from a powerful, right? Yeah. yeah. So and but living in the states, she's. I think she's amazing. I've yeah. listened to her. Well, for I'm. Years I'm now. really glad that you've put put me onto her because I'm going to check it out when I get home. Completely. Yeah, you definitely should. Um, let's finish, Tony, with let's regrets. Finish. Regrets, I have a few. Um, <laughs> the people I didn't get to photograph or didn't get to work with. Oh, so you never ever did Amy? Never did Amy Winehouse. Wow. Never photographed Amy Winehouse. I was. I had a session booked. Um, it was one of those Vogue sessions where they get in the sort of you know the current singers of the day. Yeah. And we had Cat Power, and we had Bat for Lashes, and we had uh, Lily Allen, and we were like yeah. all the kind of you know kind of the great singers yeah. of that period. And Amy was booked for it, and she didn't turn up on the first day. She didn't turn up on the second day, and I was told it was because she was on her kitchen floor crying because of her boyfriend. Which is probably exactly what it was. If that's what she, that she would have been it. House. That would have been it because of Blake. Yeah, you know, um, another incredible woman. Yeah, another incredible woman, and you know that energy just went to the wrong direction. That was it. Did Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I met loads of times. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm you very fortunate to meet met her and had to, a yeah. few fun times with her. Right. You know, to, you know, I was sober at that point in time, so. Right. I kind of got brought in at one point to meet her to kind right. of have a co that conversation, <laughs> uh, yeah. which that never conversation never happened because it just turned into like I you know it was it was a fun a fun evening instead of that conversation. Yeah. But you know the, you know when you you're sober and someone asks you to have that conversation with someone who's not sober, yeah, you have to play it really. You can't just go to say right, I want to, and like you know you just have to. Go with it. And if you think they need that conversation at that point in time, then that conversation's yeah. had, but it was never had that conversation. She, you got the impression that she wasn't going to have that conversation. Well, no, she didn't want that conversation. Right. And she was, she, she at that point when I was brought in was, she was having fun. Yeah. 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 You know, well, she thought yeah. she was having fun. Yeah. Yeah. What a shame you never met her. Yeah, well, it's a shame, and I've been in love with her music ever since. Mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah, really, really. And the track I've put here is Valerie. She <laughs> yeah. sings kind of basically, you know, John person it just delivery is so great it's, it's such a genius track and it's such an uplifting track and you know I, I love Mark as well I think Mark yeah. Ronson at that point in time was at his best and and yeah. that that whole album was really genius yeah of getting other people to other people's tracks 
I mean, yeah, yeah. where did that come from? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm Caliuchis and Amy Winehouse have been sort of, you know, in my sort of, yeah, you because know, when you. When, what you get when you work, you know, people say, "Okay, come up with an idea for our campaign. Come up with an idea for a video." Yeah. So you have to find your ideas somewhere, and I find them when I'm driving. Yeah. So I tend to drive because driving. Do you drive? No, you're mad. Okay. <laughs> so driving is a funny thing to your brain because, of course, you've got to be hyper aware. So you've got to be looking. Yeah. Ahead no, of you, I, I, looking behind you. I have ADHD. You, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have that attention span. Right. Well, you, that's a weird thing about driving that so you have to be attentive for hours on end. So your brain goes into this funny thing where your sort of conscious brain is making all decisions of not, you know, yeah. crash and driving properly and all those sorts of things. And your sort of semi-conscious brain or your creative part of your brain is left there for much freer. So okay. it's a really good way of coming up with ideas because you're not, you know, if somebody says you come up with an idea, you can't think an idea. You have to kind of let all the ingredients, yeah. kind of, you know, make one. So I get it when I'm driving. Um, and then the other thing about driving is you get the the you know the, the, the forces on your body, the g-forces, yeah. are turning the car or driving faster, slowly or whatever it is. But there's a sort of physical thing to it. So I actually find it, it's really. I used to drive around London at night, um, just to come up with ideas, just to think. And I would always listen to Amy Winehouse or Kali Uchis. Yeah. So you know, it's really powerful women, and it's like if I didn't know your wife Charlotte. Yeah. Right, I would think she'd have a gold tooth and she'd have like big gold hoop earrings. And... She just dresses down for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't think she was like a bit of a banshee girl. But she, you know, it's um, they're they're really they're really strong choices of of, of imagery. Like that, you know, Amy. That, that you know, forget the beehive, forget yeah. that look. But the, the, what the energy of what she brought to the yeah. table? Yeah, yeah, was really. Point at that point in time, yeah, yeah, and they, and it's like the same with this Caliuchis, right? Just from watching that video and seeing the way she is, this the energy that are in that's in them, that, yeah, that you know, it's it, it's something quite unique yeah. when you meet women like that, yeah, or you meet anyone. It's not just destined to women, but when you meet people, there's certain people that walk into a room and have that power. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, the people who, I guess, in the end, become performers. They use that power, mm. you know, and they use it to kind of good performers. They become yeah. good performers. Yeah. But everybody, you know, go right back to the beginning of this. We're talking about the, you know, the skinhead girl yeah. dancing to, to Desmond Decker. Go all the way through. It's a certain admiration I have for these powerful. But women. all of those things, also, you're going back to the beginning with Desmond Decker. Yeah, are still relevant today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're still relevant. They're not like tracks that no one's ever heard of. People, people, as soon as they hear their track, they automatically know what that is. Yeah. And that's not a generational thing of our, of our age group. I know kids that love that track. You right. know, so yeah. you know, they, it's it's it. They they're, they're all of the, all of the things that you've chosen in this eleven yeah. different tracks and bits of film and, and moments in time are all really relevant still today, which is is kind of mad. Yeah, well, I didn't think about it. No, there is. There are all of them. I, you know, there's something on nothing on here that I would think, oh god, that's boring. Which is kind of quite weird for me <laughs> to find anything. Like, I always, if I'm listening to 11 pieces of music, I'm going to find at least five of them boring. And I haven't today. Well, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased. No, they're all really relevant. And I kind of just think, you know, the, the beauty of this, this, this podcast and what we're doing here is is to get to know people a little bit better and the way you find out what people really like is yeah. by their music choices yeah that's why sometimes it's a bit personal yeah, yeah. and it has to be personal yeah. if i was to say to you do you actually listen to music on your headphones or do you just listen to music in the car i never use headphones so. okay nor do i actually yeah. apart from when i'm working but yeah. what is the track one track and forget that list 
And don't you don't think about it that you're listening to right now. Uh, I can't remember its bloody name, Tony. Um, it's an old soul track. It's an old soul. It's track. an old soul track, and it's about um, you know somebody who's fooling himself that the, the woman's in love with. It's about the shy lights, something like that. Okay, I just can't remember the name of the track. Okay, I can get it. I'll put it on the playlist for you. <laughs> no, that's, that's just... what that's the one I come. It's number two on track. It's Bobby Gillespie did me a whole bunch of, of uh-huh. a, a whole compilation of soul soul track. Yeah, and it's, I think it's the shy lights. Okay, it's not have you seen it? And it's just one that you put on all the it's time. Put on all the time. Amazing. So, well, thank you, Nick. My pleasure. Uh, thank you, the gaffer of Show Studio. <laughs> Finally got you in here. Um, um, amazing list, an amazing list. And long may you reign. Well, thank you, Tony. Love you to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks very much. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.